1: Welcome to Fine Tuning with Drew Taylor, your one-stop shop when it comes to animation news and commentary. I'm Drew's co-host, entertainment writer Jim Hill, and he and I are recording this week's show on Friday, April 8th, 2022. This week's show starts on a somewhat sad note. We lost Estelle Harris this past week.
0: Did you ever get the chance to interview her? I never did. I mean, by the time I was kind of going, you know, to all these junkets, I think she was a little past that point. You know what I mean?
1: She had a recurring role on the Disney Channel's Sweet Life with Zach and Cody. Yes. She was Muriel. And through somebody on the show, I got the chance to sit down with her. And she actually didn't start acting till when her kids grew up. So she starts at 53. And her very first film role was in Sergio Leone's Once Upon a Time in America. Really? Yeah. You know, 1984. How would you like that to be your first gig? Now, mind you, I don't know which cut of Once Upon a Time in America. she That's was. true.
0: I think I've seen every one. But mm-hmm. yeah, that's crazy. Yeah.
1: And then her first TV role was on Night Court in 1985, where she played Easy Mary, an elderly hooker.
0: Who could forget Easy Mary?
1: <laughs> but uh, but of course, the role that puts her on the map is George Costanza's mom, also called Estelle. That character doesn't even show up in the series till episode 11 of season four.
0: Yeah, I didn't re- I, I read that when <laughs> uh, they were sort of talking about her career, and I did not realize that because she's so baked into the success of that series. Absolutely. You think she was there from the beginning?
1: She debuts as part of the contest. Wasn't it actually listed as the number one Seinfeld episode I'd say they were doing the retrospectives and all that? It's pretty hard to beat that one. <laughs> I'm I'm not going to do that joke. <laughs> I am the master of my domain. I'm not going to do that joke. So, of course, George Costanza's mom puts Estella on the map, at least as far as animation theaters are concerned. Remember when she came on the scene in Toy Story 2? I mean, that's literally the chef's kiss of casting. Who else to be the voice of Mrs. Potato Head to Don Rickles' Mr. Potato Head? I mean, that was a great bit of casting, and... She comes back two more times in the franchise. She reprises the role in Toy Story 3 in 2010, and then Toy Story 4 in 2019. In fact, that performance was her very last film role. But the other thing is, just researched tonight before we did the show, she did a lot of moms in animation. And these three, I, I just had to mention. She's the voice of Professor Hubert J. Farnsworth's mom in Futurama. She's the mom of Sylvester the Cat in The Looney Tunes Show. And then finally, she was Death's mom on Family Guy. And that's her paired with Norm MacDonald. That was her voice. But she could not have been nicer. She was the sweetest thing. And in fact, she got such a kick over the fact that this is the career that she wound up with. That people hired her to be annoying. Anyway, family released a statement on Saturday night uh, saying uh, this is through Harris's son, Glenn. Uh, It is with the greatest remorse and sadness to announce that Estelle Harris has passed on this evening at 625 p.m. Her kindness, passion, sensitivity, humor, empathy and love are practically unrivaled and she will be terribly missed by all those who knew her, which is true. On behalf of Drew, I want to offer our sincerest condolences to the friends and family of Estelle Harris during their time of sadness. So, uh, anyway, lots of happier news to get to on this week's show, which reminds me. The news portion of Fine Tuning is brought to you by Storybook Destinations, trusted travel partner of the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network. For a worry-free travel experience, please book online at storybookdestinations.com. Okay, Drew. So, back in March, or leading up to the release of Turning Red, there were all these stories, lots of anonymous sources, supposedly talking for people in Emeryville, about how upset they were about how this Shi film was not going to get a theatrical release and somehow that was going to diminish the property. And
0: Didn't really understand that at the time. Understand it less, especially now that we have a Academy Award Best Picture uh, streaming film. But yeah, go ahead.
1: <laughs> Nielsen just this week released their weekly streaming chart. And Turning Red is now number one. That Pixar film has been viewed by Disney Plus subscribers for a total of 1.7 billion minutes. Given how fervently people have embraced Turning Red, is it really any surprise to hear the announcement about how Lindsey Collins, who produced Turning Red, and writer director Domi Shi have just been promoted into leadership positions at Pixar?
0: Not a surprise at all. Oh.
1: So uh, what do you know about the role that Collins has been
0: promoted into? She is now the Senior Vice President of Development, which makes sense before uh, Turning Red and after Finding Dory, she was heading up the Spark Shorts programs and, the, and some of the incubator mm-hmm. things at Pixar. So mm-hmm. this is like a supersized version of that where she will lead a development group at Pixar for features and streaming where current and upcoming filmmakers originate Story ideas and shape them into movies for production. So I think she is just going to be helping this next crop of filmmakers as they get ready. Because you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of demands, Jim, from theatrical and streaming, and you know, yeah, they gotta be there for
1: no, it. No, 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 definitely, definitely. We're we're Domi is now a vice president of creative, and she's going to share that title with uh, Dan Scanlon, right? But yeah, basically now she's a member of the Pixar brain
0: trust. This is, like, a group above the Brain Trust. Oh. She was actually, a, she's been a part of the Brain Trust for the last few years. Okay. So this is, like, yeah, I think these are more, like, you know, these are the top bananas. Because mm-hmm. she's, she's basically there with Stanton, mm-hmm. Peterson, and Dan Scanlon. And so I think they also all get executive producer credits on every movie. So oh,
1: okay. So Turning Red is a great, great movie produced under extraordinary difficult conditions, I mean, the pandemic. So it's genuinely nice for, for Ms. Collins and Ms. She to see them, their efforts get this sort of recognition and reward. By the way, uh, while we're talking about Nielsen's streaming service, it's worth noting that Encanto is still chugging along. Just this past week, that anime feature added 783 million more minutes of viewing on Disney Plus, and... Nielsen goes with minutes rather than how many times an individual movie or TV show gets watched because people sometimes don't finish watching a, an entire movie or TV show or they fire up Netflix or Apple Plus or Amazon or Disney Plus just to watch one specific element of a movie or TV show like we don't talk about Bruno, Number, and Encanto.
0: Which did you see the uh, did you see the sing-along song version that's up on Disney Plus? Not I yet? have none. Oh, wow. Yeah. They're actually doing a group of. I think we talked about that earlier, we but did, yeah, it's yeah. on Disney
1: Plus. Yeah, I've been meaning. I so. can, again, I got to carve out the time to do that. Speaking of carving out time, when are you next headed to Disneyland? Oh, who knows, Jim? Because on Monday, April 11th, the park is going to debut an Encanto theme projection show, which they're doing deep in the park. They're going to be presenting this a couple times a night on the small world facade.
0: Which I think is very weird,
1: but... Remember when they, they, they did the projection show on the castle and Main Street USA where the show opened, where they surrounded you with orange groves?
0: Yes, for the 60th.
1: There we go. So yeah. what they did that tried to alleviate the crowding on Main Street is they would actually show the film element projected on the small world facade as well. They've done this previously the projection equipment is there so why not and also remember they they've just closed mickey's toontown so they're they're looking to entertain people who are back in that part of the park looking for stuff to do so of course we don't talk about bruno is going to be prominently featured in this thing likewise i guess they're doing a meet and greet with mirabelle she will see si. hmm? i'm sorry
0: i said see si, spanish <laughs> Our Spanish-speaking listeners will know that 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 means yes. Well,
1: there we go. All right. Yeah. I'm sorry. Maynard High School Education. (laughs) C. Oh, the letter that comes after B. Yes, okay. (laughs) So, yeah, check the entertainment schedule. Find out where Maribel is. She's going to be in the uh, Frontierland Zocalo Park. And then on Friday, April 22nd, the Main Street Electrical Parade, which uh, they lied to us. It didn't glow away forever. It returns to Disneyland Park. And in place of that patriotic finale, which I know you're not supposed to call a salute to all nations, but mostly America, but that's, that's what I thought you know, whenever I saw yes. it. That's now been retooled, and it's a celebration of modern Walt Disney Animation Studios productions like Moana, Ray and the Last Dragon, Frozen, and of course, Encanto. But again, I know you don't know when you're going to Disneyland next. I just want to stress that this... Encanto projection show is supposed to be short lived, but in Disney Park
0: speak, what does that mean? Weeks, months, only five years? I mean, we've we've uh we've still gone longer than the space between Frozen Opening and the announcement for Frozen Ever After at Epcot, so <sighs>
1: we'll see. We'll see. The projection show debuts Monday, April eleventh.
0: The electrical parade is the 22nd. 22nd.
1: To, Mind yes. you, on that very same night, April 11th, the trailer for Pause of Fury is supposed to be released online. And this is the project that was originally called Blazing Samurai and then got yes. picked up by Paramount, which changed the name to Pause of Fury, and it's supposed to arrive in theaters on July 15th. This has been flying under the radar for years, right? It's an animated reimagining of Mel Brooks' Blazing Saddles, set in Japan, directed by Rob Minkoff of multiple Disney features and with Mel Brooks himself speaking. And you ruined it for me because you saw it today, right?
0: I saw it yesterday when I snuck out to watch Sonic 2. Okay. And... uh... And... It's unclear what decade this thing was made in. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of fart jokes. Uh, You know, Sam Jackson Mm -hmm. doing an MF joke. Mm -hmm. It's telling that I I talk to Rob pretty regularly, and he has never (laughs) mentioned this movie once. I mean, yeah, I don't know, Jim. I'm hoping for the best, but that trailer did not do it any... Any favors? Let's say that. Jeez, uh, then <laughs> too
1: quickly pivot to to Sonic Two. How did we? How do we like the animation in that?
0: The animation looked pretty solid. I mean, I think they were probably constrained. I, I noticed another review saying how inexpressive the characters were, and I think that that might just be a limitation of time because mm-hmm. it feels like they put this movie together in about six weeks. Mm-hmm. So. Um, you know, it, it was fine. If you like the first one, you'll probably like this one. Okay, Idris Elba is is pretty fun as the kind of killer. Okay, Knuckles, Echina. right? Okay, yes, yeah, Knuckles.
1: Side note: as as part uh, while he was out doing press for Sonic the Hedgehog, 2, Jim Carrey supposedly was talking about retiring. That he it's, it's like
0: I've got enough. I've done enough
1: movies. What do you make of that?
0: I would hate to see him go. <laughs> I love him to death, yeah, but nah. um. If he is going to retire, I think they need to find somebody new for Sonic 3 because I'm sure that'll be... Mm, You saw how much money it made last night, so I think it's kind of a sure thing at this point.
1: Oh, well, we already have the teaser scene or whatever, so it's teeing up three. Well, okay. Again, I apologize for the the pause of Fury trailer, but on the other hand, have you seen the teaser for This Tape Deck is a Time Machine yet?
0: No, I haven't because it's kind of an interactive thing. so It
1: is, it is. But yeah. what's interesting is that, yes, it's actually been put together uh, using Epic Games' Unreal Engine and using some real-time animation techniques, but there's a trailer for this thing, uh, just a tease, which they're describing as a series for Netflix, not a film, a series. And it's spectacular. I cannot recommend highly enough heading on over to Cartoon Brew to check this out. Uh, it's three minutes, 11 seconds long, and the premise is that this time-hopping teenager uses a portable cassette player to visit musically-charged moments in other people's lives. And I, I know that sounds impossible, but when you see the visuals, when you see what Patrick has put together here, uh, and again, you know, given what he's done previously, Pearl is his as well,
0: right? Pearl, yeah, and he also recently co-directed the Billie Eilish there we go. Uh, concert movie on Disney+. Plus. Yeah. He, he did some re- very cool things that looked like they probably used some real-time engines um, on that, too.
1: No, just absolutely amazing-looking. And the only frustration here is it's coming soon. And it's like, how soon? When? I want to see more of this. Speaking of something else, uh, really wanted to see was the, the live stage version of Hayao Miyazaki's Spirited Away, which uh, just finished its run in Tokyo, and is, is the production's now headed to Osaka. But again, given that Japan, due to pandemic-related concerns, isn't allowing tourism in or international travelers, well, that wasn't going to happen. So my only hope was this live stage production of the Studio Ghibli film might someday, in some form, tour the states. But then did you see that Hulu announced earlier this week that on July 3rd and again on July 4th, they're going to present two live streams of this stage show as the tour of Spirited Away closes at the Nagoya Misonazo Theater.
0: Well, that's only in Japan so far. So we don't know if we're going to get it. Oh, you're killing me. Yeah, they haven't announced if it's going to be in America yet. So I can – how about that? I will do my due diligence and I will look into this. Okay. So far, it's only Hulu Japan.
1: No. Yes. Oh. Oh. (laughs) Okay. Not that I'm saying I want any corrupt fine-tuning listeners who who are maybe in Japan to maybe tape this and – Send a copy stateside to Drew and I, but hey, we could come to an understanding, an arrangement. Okay, well, something that I do, in fact, know is available to people here in the States. Happens this week, April 11th, uh, Gallery Nucleus, which, by the way, Mm -hmm. this is where Drew did get a panel and a signing for your great art of pictures onward book there right yeah
0: yeah yeah i'm always i'm always down to host something at uh gallery nucleus i think it is a great place i just did one with our buddy dave bossert for his uh claude coates book there um so yeah yeah we always have fun at uh gallery nucleus and i'll tell you why this one is going to be special but go ahead jim and you can read the read the ad copy
1: okay well this is at their actual gallery space in la Hombra, california at 201 east main street it is a panel in person live and in person remember when they used to do that Drew? live and in person i in do minutes? you know as well as a virtual take on this thing but it's a panel and a book signing with the creatives behind dreamworks next animated feature the bad guys And Pierre Periferal, Aaron Babby, Luke Deshmalhagin, Matt Baer, and Florian Marchin are also supposed to be taking part in this panel and signing. And I am ordering my copy of The Art of DreamWorks Bad Guys. Evidently, Gallery Nucleus
0: has an exclusive on this. Well, let me tell you what this is. And I will tell you why everybody has to do this, Mm -hmm. because it's great. And this is not just me being friends with the team over there. Mm -hmm. So most of the DreamWorks features now only have art books that are sold at the store on campus.
1: No. Including Art of the
0: Bad Guys. And let me tell you, as someone who has watched this movie and Mm -hmm. and loves it, Mm -hmm. you have to get this book. I mean, this is the most art-of-worthy animated movie you know, mm-hmm. I've seen since probably the Mitchells. Like, okay. it is just amazing. Okay. So, this is an exclusive. Mm-hmm. It's only available here. Do it. Get it signed by all these amazing people. I don't know what else to say. I mean, come no, on. No, it's no, no, just, no. It's a no-brainer. No, no.
1: Yeah. 178-page uh, hardcover. Very reasonable. forty nine ninety five. I mean, if you know from any other buying any other art of books for movies, that's a pretty decent price point but again uh signing a panel is from 6 to 8 p.m pacific time and again that's thursday april 14th and by the way if you want to do the virtual thing it's just a five dollar ticket and i am so jealous of you having seen this film already because i'm foraging for crumbs drew i have seen the featurettes i have seen a lot of the great behind the scenes stuff like They have sort of their take on the Encanto choreography of We Don't Talk About Bruno. Evidently, there's a big dance number in the middle of this thing, and they showed the live-action reference for it, and it looked amazing. Yeah. Speaking of stuff popping up online, and the Marmaduke trailer (laughs) showed up earlier this afternoon. I mean, I I don't want to be mean, because this thing has been in the works for quite some time. It was originally supposed to come out in 2020 and and Netflix just recently acquired it right and for release on May 6th. But how much footage in this trailer does the fart joke take up? It's it's a good third of this thing, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, J.K. Simmons is like the Michael Caine of our time. He never says no to anything. (laughs) But I think that maybe you should have said no to this one.
1: (laughs) Oh, wasn't Michael Kane in the Bahamas shooting Jaws: The Revenge? Yeah, when he won the Academy Award for Hannah and Her Sisters, and he and he couldn't, yeah, and he couldn't go, he couldn't go because he was. Yeah. But it was again, you know, it's like it's a check. I'm going to pick up the check. So, mm-hmm. yes, I mean Drew is not wrong, and I, and I love J.K. Simmons.
0: Yeah. Great work on Gravity Falls, for sure. Yeah,
1: I also enjoyed him in, uh, you know, in fact, for me, he was the, the most enjoyable thing in meeting the Ricardos. You know, he really made William Frawler. Okay, there's, <laughs> that's the noise you make after very long fart joke. Okay, tell you what, folks, we're going to take a break here to clear the stink out of the room. But when we get back, Drew is going to tell us about talking with the filmmakers behind Apollo 10 and a half. Okay, the fart smell has now dissipated. A vague whiff of, of surf and turf in here right now, folks. And that's largely because the Bob's Burgers uh, movie trailer is out. Likewise, the poster with the Get Your Buns in Theaters.
0: That has real bust and on April 22 it, it, vibes. It does.
1: <laughs> and I was looking at this, and then I realized May 27th, that's the exact same day that Top Gun Maverick arrives in theaters. Likewise, also when Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind opens down in Florida.
0: Also, the second day of Star Wars celebration in Anaheim. Uh,
1: I don't even think H. John Benjamin, he's the guy who voices Bob in Bob's Burgers. I don't even think his mother is going to go on opening weekend to this thing. Yeah. This thing got pushed back so many times, they couldn't move it away from Top Gun Maverick.
0: Jim, I you know, I've been skeptical about this movie existing at all. I know, I know. <laughs> I, and I, th- I think you're going to win. I don't, think, I don't think the release date really, you know, s- says it one way or the other. Because I feel like if no one goes to see a movie, does it exist? No, that's it. But-
1: ag- thank you. Thank you. All right. Very good on the, the, the tree in the forest analogy. Thank you.
0: <laughs> on the other
1: hand, June 24th, we get... Another trailer just dropped for or Marcel the Shell with Shoes On, uh, Jenny Slate's passion
0: project, which – did you hear any word
1: coming out from South Southwest about this? Or
0: Yeah, I, everybody who saw it just fell in love oh. and if you watch the trailer, I think you can see why okay. it, re, it really looks cute and – For animation fans, Mm -hmm. it's important to note that the Chioto brothers Mm -hmm. did the puppets Uh, for or the creature, the stop motion creatures for this movie. So (laughs) we're a long way from killer clowns from outer space. I was about to say, you know? (laughs) Oh god. Okay. They've been doing cuter stuff. They did that Netflix thing about the alien uh, at Christmas. So yeah.
1: They did. Okay. Just to follow up on, on a story we did last show. We talked about what happened at the Oscars. Not Will Smith, but I'm sure everyone saw the story that dropped today about him being barred from the Academy Awards for ten years.
0: I heard they're taking away his uh, Subway sandwich coupon <laughs> clip card too. Well, so there we go. Yeah, you know the, the,
1: the ruling had teeth. But yeah, we were talking about uh, how Lily James and Naomi Scott and how Halle Berry uh, came on stage uh, to present the best animated feature uh, thing, and were somewhat dismissive about... It. I'm sure you've seen these films over and over and over again because your kids watch them. And it was interesting to have Phil Lord and Chris Miller. This this was a piece for Variety, wasn't it? Uh, come, yes. Come out and just try to defend the industry's attitude uh, toward animation or counter it, I, I guess I should say. And I mean, they... They pointed out twenty five percent of the money that Hollywood made last year was on the back of
0: animated features, right? Yeah, I like that they kind of celebrated all the nominees and yes. all the ones that have come out recently. Yeah, it was, it was really nice. No, it. I mean, I,
1: I I love what these guys do. I love that they don't just talk the talk; they walk the walk. They, they, and Mitchell's Vicious Machine took every animation award. Except the, the the Oscar and I'm very much looking forward to, you know what these guys are are going to do with Spider Man, you know Across the Spider Verse Part One later this year. But when you look at something like Spider Man No Way Home, and if you you take the effects work that's in that film, and and again that was a two hour thirty five minute long movie, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, If you pulled all of the effects work out of that film and laid it end to end, you'd have an animated features worth of of CG, right?
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, probably two animated features worth. I think I saw something online Mm -hmm. recently that they said there was animated something in every single shot. That's the thing that's lunacy
1: to me. It's like... When you look at the films today who so heavily feature effects work, that's animation. And the fact that why is it that people in the industry would be dismissive of animation what is such a huge
0: part Of the top 10 films that are are released every year. And the only people who could keep working during the pandemic were the animators? Yes, yes. It's pretty insane.
1: It is. And also, I don't know if you saw the follow-up piece here where they talked about how the best animated feature category was created out of fear that, well, the year that Beauty and the Beast was nominated for Best Picture Oscar. And I was like, oh, we don't want that to happen. We don't want to compete against those things. So let's create their own little category off to the side here. Let's set up the kids table.
0: Well, I mean, the category wasn't created until 10 years after Beauty and the
1: Beast. No, that's true. That's true. But it was just the conversations. And, And part of the conversation was that the $217 million that aladdin made and then the four or five hundred million dollars that that lion king made and and just suddenly it was like okay it's real money so yeah when you make real money in hollywood you get recognition but you still have to sit at the kids table
0: well you know there's only so many bank of america awards that you can win according to (laughs) mr katzenberg
1: this is true this is true Again, uh, you know, uh, Mr. Miller and Mr. Lord you know, made a point of, of bringing up Flea and, you know, a lot of the other films that really sort of stretched the definition of animation, which hopefully is a nice segue to talking about Apollo 10 and a half, which you just did. A wonderful piece for the wrap. How Richard Linkletter's unmade, incredible Mister Limpet remake inspired Apollo uh, Ten and a Half. Have you watched it yet, Jim? I I, I have not, but I, I again, God. you know, I, I got baking to do.
0: The thing is, I don't see the fruits of this baking labor, so that's what you know. Hey, I need that I, lasagna. Hey,
1: I'm I'm mailing Alice a package on Monday. <laughs> You counted some cookies. Okay. Okay. All so, right. Uh, so now okay. I, I, I have to hit the start. Really? The Incredible Mr. Lippet?
0: And no, this was not- Well, you remember that, he, the remake that he was going to do with Jim Carrey. That was- That was him? Oh, yeah. no. Yeah. I think Eric Goldberg might have helped out on mm-hmm. some of that stuff, too. Um, but yeah, so- Apollo 10 and a Half is just great, and Jim, you're gonna love it because okay. it's gonna take you right back to the late '60s Can't in a wait. way that, um, yeah, mm-hmm. that no, that nothing besides some very strong hallucinogenics could <laughs> <laughs> could create. But um, yeah, I mean, it's just really interesting. I know, Jim, mm-hmm. we've seen Letter's other animated features, oh, Waking yeah. Life, and A Scanner Darkly, mm-hmm. and so it was just interesting to talk about how these this one differs, and it actually is a lot more like a Fleischer Brothers cartoon from back in the day or the Walt Disney cartoons where it's not rotoscoped as much as it is just sort of, um, it's keyframe animated based on live action reference. Mm. So, whereas Scanner Darkly and Waking Life were were completely rotoscoped, everything in the room was rotoscoped, Mm-mm. this is sort of taking bits of performance and doing keyframe animation and then designing everything that's around them, the, all the environments, the props, all of that stuff. So I think they actually shot it for two weeks at Robert Rodriguez's studio in Austin, Troublemaker. Oh, so, killer! Which is pretty cool.
1: No, yeah. absolutely. I mean, Robert was always pushing the frontiers on on green screen and, and what. Yes. You would, oh, killer. Okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it was just very interesting, and maybe you know, maybe we can talk about it more after you watch it, mm-hmm. but. Um, the movie really does this fun thing where it kind of catalogs everything that was being watched at the time on television, mm-hmm. the movies, the the music. And so, you know, I was... There's a section where I talked to, to Tommy, who was a producer on the movie and also handled all the animation about, mm-hmm. you know, like... Animating over footage from 2001. What was that like? That was must have been not daunting at all. And it's just it's a very fun conversation. So wow. Yeah.
1: But God, the Jim Carrey Mr. Limpet. Really? That was Letter?
0: Yeah. Oh my yeah. God. I think Stiller took it over too at one point, and then it just never, it never got off the ground. But the techniques that they used, because they were full on, you know, designing shots and stuff. They applied to this which is kind of the mixture of 2d and 3d animation the variance of styles um and so all of that you know found its way into Apollo 10 and a half which is great and yeah I just love the movie too I think it's just so charming and fun I so
1: cannot wait but I, I have to tell you I have a copy of the screenplay for this in the basement and it's a significant departure From the Don Knotts film, I want to say Mr. Limpet is trying to liberate all of the fish that are trapped. I mean, in a weird sort of way, it's finding Dory, only it's everybody's getting out. And wasn't it that they were trying to do facial animation capture of Jim? Yeah. And then graft it onto a CG-like dolphin thing?
0: (laughs) It was like a trout or something yeah
1: i i have seen one or two work in concept images of this thing and it just between what i read of the script which is very much in the style of ace ventura and the animation it was just it was just one of these things where it's like i don't want to say train wreck but it was like wow sticking the landing on this finding the right tone and hitting the right animation style and getting the script to work I actually feel bad for Mr. Linkletter, but at the same time it might have been a kindness that this ultimately didn't go forward.
0: Yeah, yeah I mean I don't know what we would have not had in his filmography because he was doing this mm-hmm. movie instead. So I I think he's one of the great sort of filmmakers and every time he does something it's really exciting. But this Apollo ten and a half, especially for animation fans, is Quite a treat. Okay, so well, can't wait. I look
1: forward to hearing your thoughts, Jen. All right, I will We'll definitely check that out next week. Oh, you did lob one more story in over the transom before we get started here. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you want to talk about what Peter Ramsey, uh, the, the, the one of the directors oh, yes. on uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse and Rise of the Guardians?
0: Yes, it's the first African-American solo filmmaker of, an, of a mainstream animated feature. Mm-hmm. Peter Ramsey also a very lovely person mm-hmm. who has just finished work on The Lost Ollie Project for Netflix, which ILM is doing the animation for. Yeah. But he is, yeah, he's directing, it, they said at least one episode of the Ahsoka show coming to Disney+. Plus. Oh, that's so which is, cool. Especially after learning last week that mm-hmm. Andrew Stanton mm-hmm. has co-written one of the episodes of Obi-Wan. Yep. So, Jim, I feel like we're we're inching towards Gendy coming back. I would we'll be We'll see cool. if he can come back.
1: And Drew has had the opportunity to talk with the creatives and some of the talent that's involved in the Disney sketchbook series, which, we, which yes. we've talked about previously on the show. You've also seen a couple episodes. Have you watched them yet? I, I have my screeners. In fact, I, I might watch them tonight. Can we tease? Can we talk a yeah, little bit? Yeah, well,
0: about- I mean, I think the show... I can talk about what I think of the show, which I think is really, really special and awesome and mm-hmm. is a big hat tip to Amy Astley, mm-hmm. our friend... There we go. ...who produced this show. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I got some good stuff out of Eric, and I talked to Mark, and I talked to Jen Kim. So all these will be coming out, and uh, I didn't get assaulted on the way out by any publicity <laughs> people saying, Wait a minute! <laughs> They shouldn't have said that. In fact, after our talk, Eric just looked over at Howard Green and said, Did I get at myself in trouble in that one? Howard said, No, you're okay. You're okay. So well, there you go. We're well, all good. We're all fine. Yeah, Everybody's fine. Oh,
1: well, the old gang. You know, was, yes, Eric the old gang. Yeah, Howard, it was great to see
0: everybody. Cool, cool, yeah. cool.
1: Okay. Um, well, all right. I look forward to hearing about that. Likewise, I'm, I'm assuming you're gonna do some stuff for the rap about that, or
0: yes, and I, and I also have some light year stuff coming up, which oh. I can't talk about yet. But I can't say anything, but I, <laughs> but we, we, it will be coming. It will be coming.
1: Oh, oh. oh you tease! I, I saw the
0: red light on my forehead. <laughs> that, and that's I said, right. I'll back
1: off. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, I, I, again, as entertaining as. Those interviews and those stories will undoubtedly be – seriously, folks, if you're not already listening to to Drew's Light Diffuse podcast, you are missing out on some truly amazing content.
0: What do we got coming up
1: with uh, well, Light to Fuse?
0: Light to Fuse, this week we're talking to Ben David Grabinski who is a filmmaker as well. We just recorded a great interview with um, somebody who is at ILM now who was at Double Negative at the time who did effects for – Rogue Nation, oh. so that is a really great chat, and every every animation fan will want to tune into that. Cool. And then we're just getting ready for for, for uh, Top Gun Maverick. We're going to CinemaCon. We're doing our another another Kamikaze, you know, twenty two hours in Vegas <laughs> uh, oh. situation. Oh. Oh, so, you
1: poor bastard. Yeah, you know, but they're showing the
0: whole movie that was leaked today. Okay. So I can confirm that that is happening. Okay. So we will be there on the front lines okay. in the cockpit of right. Top Gun Maverick. Could you tell folks how to find you on social media? Oh, yes. Uh, just drew tailored, like a tailored shirt. Mm. People make fun of me for saying that, Jim, on Twitter, but I don't know how else to I, no, get it across. No. Like the brave little tailor? Is that more of animation go. friendly? Okay. What about you, Jim? What's coming up with you?
1: Working on, I, we can't
0: talk about it yet, but we're doing some really cool stuff, Len and I. They just keep me out of it. That, that's the no, thing. He, no he and know Lynn, that, you know, I was supposed not... to go on the cruise, and now there's this new show. I'm not a part, you know, it's they just keep. not true. Baby in the corner, Jim. That is what this is. Uh. All right. Um, But
1: speaking of uh, the other shows, we do have Disney Dish that I do with Len Testa. Uh, Likewise, uh, Marvelous Disney, which I do with Internet Adams. Folks, if you could do Drew and I a favor, if you could head over to Apple Podcasts and rate and review fine tuning, that would be very, very helpful. If you're looking for us on social media, uh, Twitter and Instagram is Jim Hill Media, and Facebook is Jim Hill Media News. That's going to do it for tonight, folks. Thank you for listening. Andrew and I will be back next week.